0: is it right? So I just do that then. And of course, can you fix my paper? These questions, if you are a professor or teacher of any sort of writing or courses that have students handing in papers, you are well familiar with these types of questions. And of course, if you are a student, or you have been a student, you very well might have asked these questions yourself. And I think this is a great place to start with this week's topic on why I don't grade paper drafts, uh, not in the traditional sense at least, and why I think grading paper drafts in the traditional sense is essentially pretty much useless. Uh, I define it here as pointless, but there's certainly arguments to be made for why it could be useful in certain contexts, you know, how students might get something out of it, but much like I talk about in my classes in terms of thinking about writing not in terms of just correct or incorrect, right or wrong, but effective, less effective, or ideally more effective. I think if you start to think about the the best ways to grade student work, and certainly in the case of English writing and other humanities courses in particular, where you have written work, uh, really asking, you know, what are you trying to identify that students can improve upon? This is a much better way to think about grading student work, not in terms of just handing in a draft and making comments and giving a draft back, but really sitting down and looking at, okay, what's going on here and what can we do to improve this work moving forward? So these questions, these topics, and more in this week's episode of Professor Labs Podcast. So thanks for joining us this week. And you know I wanted to talk about this topic for a while now because I find it's a topic that Many other instructors that I know have, you know, they really think about regularly. Um, but I think in general, it's it's something that has become more and more sort of practiced. And what I mean by that is not, like I just said, hand, having students hand in written work and then making comments and handing it back, but instead doing what we call draft conferences where we meet, we sit down, and we talk with students about their papers. Much different process. And for reasons that I'll explain just briefly this week, I think a much more efficient and effective process for students of all types, which is always a factor as well, right? Trying to identify, okay, like what do students really need in order to succeed and improve? So I think a good place to begin before we um, identify again the specifics of what a draft conference is, is to first ask, okay, what is the goal of a writing class or just writing in general in any sort of college class or even high school class perhaps and again you you can really begin by asking what do we mean by to improve in what way are we talking about improving just the students written work are we talking about improving their thinking and i think obviously the link there is pretty obvious right and i say this to my classes all the time that good writing um, involves good thinking right you can't have one without the other And this is another episode I want to do, maybe a little bit down the line, but really looking at the fact that if you look at my grading rubric, um, it pretty much highlights how the ideas and the content itself and the analysis is more highly weighted in my grading rubric than the technical details, such as grammar and punctuation, which also are important, just not in terms of being clear and making sense to the reader, but relating that content and that analysis more clearly, right? So that's something we talk a lot about in my writing classes. But again, it's this idea that, and I tell them this, I rather, much rather read a paper that has fantastic ideas and fantastic analysis, you know, really original thought. And maybe, you know, okay, so you misuse semicolons. Guess what? 90 plus percent of the United States population has pretty much no idea how to use a semicolon. I don't know if that's Accurate percentage wise, but it sounds like it's probably a pretty good guess, right? Um, So I'm not going to hold that against you nearly as much as if you use semicolons grammatically, technically, proficiently, but the ideas just aren't there. It's just boring, unoriginal, you know, not really saying much or doing the work of showing, you know, thorough thought in in your, um, you know, again, analysis of whatever you're writing about. Um, I can forgive the semicolon mistake if you're, you're doing these other elements. Well, again, using those technical elements to relate your ideas more clearly is a tool to accomplish that, but it's just one tool, right? So this idea of good thinking um, is good writing, I think is an important lesson to instill early on in, this, in the semester. And again, I say this for all my writing classes, whether I'm teaching uh, college freshman composition or I'm teaching... Uh, upper division classes. I teach uh, 300 level classes as well. Same philosophy uh, going into every class every semester, I think. And again, that manifests in different ways through different individual lesson plans, obviously, based on the content of that curriculum. But it's, again, that same philosophical pedagogical idea, right? So with that in mind, I think the, (laughs) the idea of the grading process really comes into play, right? Like, well, how do you assess How well those students are accomplishing those goals of, again, both technical as well as analytical um, skills in their writing. And so there are two ways essentially to grade a paper draft. I mean, I should have mentioned this in the beginning, but I think it's self evident from the information I've said so far, right? I teach college writing and I obviously deal with many types of papers. And in doing so, I deal with many types of paper drafts. Now, the first way to grade a paper draft is more of the traditional way, right? And we're all familiar with this. Even if you, whether you went to college or not, being in grade school, you would have at some point written an English paper, history paper, whatever it may be. And what do you do? You hand in that paper. If you're lucky, you get comments back on that paper in order to continue editing, and then submit another copy. If you're not so lucky, you get a paper back with comments and just a grade, and that's your grade. And if you're the least amount of lucky, you don't get many comments back, and you just kind of get a grade, right? You hand in a paper, you get it back, whatever, a couple weeks later, and it says B, and cool. Above average, I guess I did okay. Don't know much more about that. Um and you're kind of <laughs> you're kind of left to just accept it, or you can always ask the the teacher, but who knows what they're really going to say um, so there's a lot of reasons why I feel like that's sort of a flawed method, but I'll talk about that as I address why I do grading the way that I do, which is the second way where I meet with students individually to discuss their papers, and the question looking at just these two methods more broadly is why do I feel like one method is so wildly more effective than another? And again, I'm sure plenty listening, especially if you are instructors, uh, might disagree. You might think for various reasons. And again, in certain classes, it might make more sense, certainly in, from a practical perspective, in terms of just being able to deal with so many students and so many papers. And in fact, that's one of the things I'll talk about a little bit later on. Why, um, just grading drafts that students submit is practically more realistic and effective because you don't have time to really do this draft conference strategy. Um, That's sort of the source of, of the difference, I think, largely between why you might do one than the other. But again, I base the fact that I think this idea of meeting with students and doing draft meetings or draft conferences is wildly more effective because of both the improvements I've seen in their writing, but also what they tell me themselves, the feedback that they've given me directly. I can say firsthand that pretty much, um, I would say 80 plus percent of students after they meet with me, they tell me how not only much more helpful meeting with me to go over their drafts was, um, but also how they've never had anybody do that before. And again, I think part of that is because Teachers just don't have the time to do that, mostly. I would say that's pretty much the reason, the main reason. Um, and so that other maybe 15%, 20% of students who don't say that, um, you know, again, that's I would ideally want that number to be 100% of students who say that they like these draft conferences. But I would also say that in terms of, and I have done this where I just hand back drafts that I grade that students submit. um a much lower percentage have told me and i think would tell me that they find that my comments were useful right um again i think there's too many cases where i've handed back drafts and if they do read my comments they don't understand them they don't understand the context it needs further explanation and you can't address questions that they might have about those comments unless they come talk to you so there's just a a gap in communication when you just submit When students just submit a paper and you grade it and hand it back versus meeting and sitting down one-on-one with them. So in terms of how to do a draft conference, because I encourage everybody listening. And most of the teachers I know, at least at the school that I primarily teach at, use this method. Um, But I know lots of other schools they don't. And again, for various reasons, uh, particularly the main one being time-wise. But I think the steps here are very important. So first what I do is... Obviously, we introduce the topic. I'll use the first paper that I do in my freshman comp class as sort of a base example because it's just an, uh, a rhetorical analysis paper looking at an opinion article in uh, the school newspaper and analyzing, okay, what is the author's point? And then how effectively and or ineffectively does the author make that point? Thinking about, okay, what type of audience is the author trying to convince? Um, obviously it's a student paper. So those students are going to have certain opinions. And then again, how well does the author do that? And what more could the author do maybe to engage different types of students with different types of perspectives? winds up being a really good first paper for freshman comp for again, other reasons that I think deserve their own episode. But again, that's sort of the first step is we talk about this in class in depth. Um, including going over the grading rubric, sort of what I alluded to earlier. And I include what I call an annotated rubric, which kind of outlines the major sections of, or categories rather, of grading criteria that I look over. So just as a very brief reference, I have the clarity of uh, word choice and sentence structure, um, phrasing, diction, those sorts of elements that are a little more thematic rather than the technical grammar and punctuation grammar and punctuation section which is the second section and then a third section is just form and style making sure that all the other technical elements in terms of citations work cited those elements are all there and properly formatted and then overall effectiveness is a fourth category and there's a certain amount of points that you can score in those categories again this is probably relatively similar to many other types of rubrics that instructors themselves use right um And I have detailed descriptions of what sort of summarizes uh, constituting earning the higher points among those categories, right? Um, And again, the idea here is to explain to students, okay, what is expected in terms of the overall performance? And, you know, it's kind of funny, the process as we describe this, because another thing I also do is I go over sample papers with them of students who have written those analysis papers in previous semesters, and what's really interesting about that is because I talk about how, oh, here are all the things I like about this paper. And I show them my uh, comments that I make reading through it. And then I give it a grade based on the rubric that we just discussed. And I oftentimes have students who, when I say at the end, any questions and they will say, yeah, I, th- I this is actually some, a conversation I had recently in class where a student said, yeah, you said that you really like this paper. And I said, yeah, it, does a lot you know pretty well like it does everything that you want and you know as noted and she says or she said yeah but you gave it a c plus and i said well yeah it did the work it was satisfactory and even did a little bit more as we noted however it needed to improve upon these elements more thoroughly throughout the paper right (laughs) and their reaction is really funny because it sort of dawns on them oh this isn't just you know an easy A in terms of if I do everything, it's outstanding work. And you can identify this by going through each category. So it's kind of a realization that, yes, this will take time and effort, while as clearly as I can identifying for them or helping them to identify for themselves, what will it really take to score higher in these categories beyond just, okay, adequately, relatively consistently accomplishing a competent work And again, I think this is really useful because um, if they can identify that for another paper, then they can really self-reflect for themselves how to do that in their own work moving forward. And so what I tell them that they need to do after that, and this really shocks them further, is to print that rubric and give themselves a grade for their draft that they bring to their draft conference. Now, I do make it very clear that the grade that they give themselves in no way counts towards their class grade, because I think that's very important, because otherwise, of course, they're going to inflate their own grades. And what I tell them is that, really, I just want to see what you assess is the quality of work that you've been able to attain so far, based on what we've discussed those expectations are. And that it really is a self-reflection with the mindset of, okay, well, if you can identify what you do so far, and ideally do well so far, well, this is great. You can sort of focus from there on, what can we improve moving forward? And I think that sort of um, it sort of really helps. Um, I think it really forces them to present work that is going to be relatively competent or meaningful, and just force them to really think about like the decisions that they make in their writing and analysis. So I find in general, just going into the draft conferences, that sort of generates stronger work to begin with. Because if you don't let them do this, and I've done this before, where I just say, yeah, bring your draft and we'll discuss it in conference, they come more with the mindset of like, oh yeah, yeah, how do I fix this, right? And it's like, well, if you've already identified what you think you need to fix, we can see if I agree upon that, and if I also have advice for those areas as opportunities to improve upon. So I've noticed that even among the draft conferences that I already do, having them pre-grade their work, is wildly more effective as well um, in terms of having them just come into the conferences with stronger work um, and so that's sort of how we structure our conferences they come in they bring their paper with their grade um, i sort of look through that i ask them if they have any specific or questions or issues going in and then i go over the draft i read it from start to finish i make comments uh, where i see certain elements that match up with uh, the, the paper guidelines and you know, how that connects to, again, what we feel like we've identified that these types of papers should be trying to accomplish. And then I go through their rubric, and I talk about whether or not I agree with their scoring. And I have to tell you, I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing how pretty much, at least I, I just did draft conferences last week, actually, for this paper. And almost all of them, I agreed in like every category with every student. It's really kind of shocking sometimes when you see that i mean i would say you know again there's four categories within the grading rubric a maximum of uh, four to six points depending upon the category in each category and i would say maybe like i don't know ten percent of students, I disagreed with some of their scores. Pretty much most of them we agreed upon. Maybe this is a little bit higher than that, the percentage of disagreeing, but it was never by much. It's not like anybody came in with saying that I deserve an A and I said, no, it's a C or, you know, they said it was a C and I said, no, it was an A. At most, it was a deviation of maybe uh, a full letter grade, but more often half a letter grade. So that's really great to see because that means that the expectations have been made clear for themselves and, and for the work that they're actually presenting which again is, is really cool to see and another thing i should note as i go through these drafts with them is that i don't correct or fix everything which again is oftentimes the mindset that students have you know they'll even email me sometimes to say oh can you fix my paper before i submit it and it's like Why would I do that? Like, why would you bother submitting it then if I'm just going to fix everything in it? It doesn't make sense, right? So what I do is I note the types of issues as we're going through. Oh yeah, the phrasing here could be improved upon. Do that throughout, right? And if I see that issue done, um, uh, you know, made differently in somewhere else, I might note that as well. But in general, yeah, transitions should try to, you know, think about this in different ways or concluding sentences, you know, this type of grammar issue, whatever it might be. So I point out, again, those types of issues for them to work on moving forward. And, you know, again, the, the results to me are are quite profound, I feel like, in terms of, you know, what they need to do moving forward. And, you know, honestly, the reason why I, I like the results of these conferences is because the only students who struggle based on this formula are the ones who really aren't putting in effort anyways. And that's for various reasons, you know, some really do just not care but others more often are just again wiped out busy with other work you know a lot of times they'll come in and say I'll say yeah prepare you know four or five pages I want the full draft and they'll have one page and they'll say oh well I had labs in midterm so I couldn't get around to it well I tell them as well that draft conferences because I have to cancel class for those draft conferences uh just because of time um and I tell them um Well, you know, that's your participation for the week, right? Like if you had a job and your boss said, yeah, I need this report by Friday and you showed up with, you know, the heading, that's not good. (laughs) Like that's not going to work in the real world, despite whatever issues you may have going on. Now, of course, I'm sensitive to the fact that like, yes, these are college students, especially freshmen, and they sort of need to be eased into that reality to some degree. But it is an important lesson to learn. And I think college is a good place to start to learn that um, that you know there is this expectation here of you, you you know you do have to obviously prioritize you know and balance your schedule and everything else so that's something actually that is important to mention that we talk about early on and throughout the semester too because I think sometimes that's that's overlooked as well but anyways you know for these reasons I really think that this is a a much better way to to um, do drafts in general and again it's funny usually at the end, of the draft conferences, I ask them, okay, do you have any other questions? And they say, yeah, so when is it due? They're still in this mindset of like, when is the due date? Like, when do I hand in this paper? And I just say, the end of the semester. And some of them say, oh, okay. They're mostly confused by that. They're like, what? Like, I don't get a grade till the end of the semester? Um, and I, d- I don't, I don't give them a grade. I say, yeah, this is where it's at now. If you hand this in at the end of the semester, this will be what you get on it. And I say that that's good news because that means, well, all you can do is improve this from here. And that's all you should be thinking about in terms of how do I strengthen based on these very specific guidelines and categories. And I say in that regard, you should think of about your papers more as projects rather than just assignments with hard deadlines. You know, really take ownership of the fact that this is something that you're strengthening from here on out. And again, I say we'll work on this obviously later in the semester, um, and we can look at specific issues. But you know, you have a blueprint now; you have a, a you know some guidance in terms of what you really need to do and really need to focus on moving forward. So I I do think it it forces them in some ways to take ownership of their work. Again, it's so much less hmm, it's so much less personally. What's the word I would say? Personally, um, invested to just hit a print or a submit button online and hope for the best, hope you did it right, then have to come meet with me and explain like, yeah, what quality have you put in here? And, you know, I think personality goes a long way here. I mean, I like to think that I'm relatively personable and that I have a good time, you know, working with students. So I think it's easier uh, or it comes naturally to me. Uh, I mean, I do a lot of tutoring work anyways. So I'm very used to one-on-one sessions, whereas other instructors might be much more comfortable in a more formal lecture setting. But I think, you know, especially if you're like me and you like sitting down and working with people uh, individually one-on-one, this works fantastic for those reasons, right? So I think with this formula, again, the the main problem is time, which is really sort of a shame, you know, to do a proper full draft conference for a five-page paper. I, for me, and again, because I like to talk to them as well, like people and sort of you know hang out in a formal yet casual way where they feel comfortable um you know a five page paper should take about half an hour and realistically speaking for many teachers especially or college certainly high school teachers don't have time to do that um with their class class sizes or at least is the ones i know and at the college level even with higher enrollments pretty much across the board everybody who teaches everywhere that i know um it's becoming less and less manageable. You know, there's not enough time with these higher enrollments. I mean, I can do a five page draft conference in about 15 minutes, but that's not going to be as effective. I'm not going to have time to really go through point by point like I can if I take half an hour. And similarly, if students just hand me in a paper, like I said at the beginning, which is the method that I don't like and I feel like is not effective, I can read through and grade that because I don't have to explain my comments right I can just kind of scribble down my notes and give a letter grade slap a letter grade on it in about 15 minutes uh, again as well and you know it doesn't sound like a big difference maybe oh what's the big difference just meet with all of them this is kind of you get the feeling what administration thinks um, you know what's a few more students you know oh, okay so you teach you're teaching 10 more students for no more pay this semester what's the big deal It's like, well, if I'm trying to do these draft conferences, which is, in fact, more effective, I mean, I think you could go through semester by semester and I'll tell you which semesters my students did draft conferences and which semesters my students just handed in drafts. And I bet you you'll you'll think that their final work from the draft conference semesters is better if you just like blind red tested them. Um, And it makes a difference. Right. If you think about just taking 50 more students pending my math and that's a small amount, that's just a couple of classes um, that's 12 and a half more hours to do a half an hour, um, draft conference for them, you know, per draft than if I just, you know, collect and toss them back or cut down my draft conference time. And that's not manageable, you know, uh, uh, per week to, to add that many students. And w- again, with especially adjunct professors who are teaching multiple jobs, um, it's really sad that I, I feel like more and more instructors are faced with this dilemma of having to choose between, doing what's best for their students and doing what's manageable. Because again, you know, practically speaking, um, we we only have so much time both in terms of, well, sometimes physically we have to go to other jobs, but also mentally, you know, if we get burnt out, you know, doing 10 hour days, draft conferencing, it's like, well, yeah, what's the big deal? People work 10 hours all the time. It's like true, but I'm not going to give as quality feedback if I'm burnt out than if I can manage my time better. So it it is sad that there's that aspect of the fact of why I feel like these conferences aren't done more often. Um, It's just a practical limitation, but I think when and where it can be done, it is, you know, highly recommended from my perspective for these reasons. Um, And it's one of the reasons, you know, as well, why I, I'm an advocate for smaller class sizes. I mean, I would take more and more time the smaller the class is. you know, ideally, I would love to sit down with students for forty minutes if I could, but that's just never gonna happen um, not not at least in most educational settings, I think. But if we had that time, I think again it it only serves to benefit the students more um, for various reasons, which I think deserve another episode, you know, just one on one interaction with students in general. Uh, how to use office hours you know, effectively could be another good example of. You know, this more personal um, interaction with students uh, in general and what, what the actual benefits are of, of those types of interactions are, because that's one of the big problems in the humanities, teaching in the humanities is so much of the effect that we have on students is um, qualitative, not quantitative, which means, you know, it, you can say, oh, this many students passed, here's a specific numbers. But in terms of what they really got out of the coursework and the interactions with their instructor, That's a little less tangible, right? Um, But it's nonetheless real and it's nonetheless very important to their personal development. I mean, I have so many, well, personal academic and professional development, right? I have so many examples of former students who tell me to this day, you know, they're in grad school, they're going on to become doctors and lawyers and they tell me, yeah, my writing 102 intro class was the most important class they took in college, you know? It was the only class that really taught them how to think. And yeah, guess what? We met and did draft conferences. So I like to think there's some sort of connection there. And it, and again, it comes back to this larger idea that I think really the goal of, of teaching writing in general, but this is true, I think, in other classes, especially in the humanities, it's it's really to teach students how to uh, use their time to think and put in, how putting in time and effort it, it should be reflective of the, the more the more sort of uh, strenuous, strenuous isn't the right word, but, you know, level of of rigorous thought and analysis that I think then yields results. And that's, that's really cool to see. Um, So yeah, that's why I do draft conferences. I just did them last week. Like I said, it was exhausting, but I got through them. (laughs) We always joke, they're like, yeah, we love draft conferences, you should have more. And I'm like, it's brutal, because it's essentially my whole week full time. And then all the other grading you know, assignments I have to do on top of that. So it becomes over full time, which again is one of the reasons why it's more and more difficult to do as class enrollments just continue to increase. But, you know, again, um, I'll do more of these later on in the semester for research papers, which is even more difficult because those draft conferences are even longer, but we'll get through them because again, the results are what matter. And I think they are there. So anyways, uh, that's all I wanted to talk about today. I think, again, this is a really cool method and I just wanted to share my experiences with this method for any other instructors out there and any other students out there, uh, who who have had bad grading experiences. Um, there is a good way to do, you know, writing. And I think this is one of them. So if you're somebody listening who hates writing or, you know, hates sort of, uh, just like the work involved in writing, it's uh, it might be because of the methods that you've had to learn writing, not the writing itself. So, I don't know. Maybe think about that um, in terms of how to improve your your own way of approaching any sort of writing as in a less daunting way. But anyways, uh, I'd love to know what any of you think, whether you are instructors or students. Um, so, you know, thanks for watching. And you can comment about any of this on our... Uh, Main podcast site, that's professorlabs.podbean.com. Um, check out patreon.com slash professorlabs for any extra content, as well as uh, you can tweet at us at Labs. We have a Twitter. i um, happy to answer any questions, or I would, again, love to know your thoughts on uh, draft grading, conferencing strategies as well, because I, again, know instructors who do, do it a little, a little bit differently as well. Um, for their own reasons and to their own effects again i think a lot of this can be tailored to your specific style of, of teaching and learning um, so i think that can be useful too in terms of thinking about how this method could really work for you in your classes so yeah that's all i wanted to say today so thanks again for joining us uh, check us out next week hopefully we'll have a more regular podcast episode schedule uh, moving forward i actually just moved so it's been a little hectic it's been a couple of weeks since the last episode i think but Hopefully we'll have more regular content to come and share your ideas. If you want us to cover certain topics, please uh, tweet us, tweet them at us or comment on our website. Um, So, yeah, that's all for now. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, uh, keep drafting. (laughs) Ideally, keep conferencing. And as always, keep learning. Thanks again. Bye-bye.